I will say there is something in just believing, yes. you know, that it's going to happen. Yeah. And, and in my mind, there was no option for it to fail. Yeah. I was not going to leave my family, my friends and this incredible life I'd built in Australia to come here and not figure it out. I do remember feeling like, how am I here? I think we all suffer from imposter syndrome yeah. in some way, shape or form. But I remember in the beginning really being like, someone's going to come and kick me off this carpet <laughs> at any moment. And I just like, sorry, sorry, thank you, sorry. Like ducking and weaving through people. I always think if you can leave a room better than you found it, then you're doing something right. I have a girlfriend who I always say that about. She's pure sunshine. I'm always just so inspired. I think the world needs more people like that. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfillment along the way. Welcome to November, beautiful people. This year has just flown by. I cannot believe we're already thinking about Christmas. Still on a total wedding high and getting used to the new name, we're actually in Byron Bay this week for our mini moon, so it seemed the perfect week to release this episode with Mullumbimby girl Renee Barr. I was lucky enough to record this one in Renee's beautiful home in Venice Beach when I was in LA on the way to NECA, and she had literally just come out of the ocean. She is an absolute goddess. Despite an incredibly successful career over in the US, she remains a down-to-earth Aussie beach baby whose family and friends mean more to her than anything. Having always lived for the performing arts, presenting was not Renee's first or even second love. After studying performing arts at Brent Street, Renee first set her sights on a career in dancing, but then got picked up by Sony as part of a girl band, very originally called Girl Band. It was a happy accident that got her into presenting with National Bingo Night on 7, then Surfari on Channel 9, followed by Channel V, which then led her to her current position in LA as host of Extra TV alongside co-host Mario Lopez. And this is her ninth year on the job. Holding her own in Hollywood on the most fancy of red carpets, Renee's charm and talents have won her two Emmy Awards that you'll hear I made her whip out during our chat. She speaks candidly about making it, homesickness and finding balance and I hope you enjoy as much as I did. Lovely Renee, thank you so much for having me in your beautiful home. Oh, thank you for being here. Who's it? Welcome to Venice Beach. Oh my gosh, it's, <laughs> it's like golden hour, the light is shining on your face like you're this goddess coming down from heaven. <laughs> There's a fiddle leaf tree behind you, It's we've got like the ocean air coming in the door, it's so heavenly. Oh, thank you. What a beautiful Sunday afternoon. It's my little oasis, it's what keeps me sane in this crazy city. Oh, it doesn't feel like LA at all. Right. I, I can imagine. Point. Yeah. Yeah. You've done a, such an amazing job. I'm like, Thank you. you can tell a Byron-born bred <laughs> girl lives here. Right. I know surfboards <laughs> everywhere that have never been ridden. <laughs> Ornamental surfboards. <laughs> but I know that was the point is I needed something to feel like a little slice at home. Oh, I can imagine. Mm. Like the, it would just be so fast paced here all the time. And it is. And my job is and Hollywood is. And that's why I had to kind of move out and be close to the ocean. Because there's something about the salt air that instantly calms you and just puts you in like this natural calm state no matter what your day's been like no matter how bad the traffic has been to get home everything dissipates once it just resets here. you yeah renee literally just came out of the ocean <laughs> <laughs> i told you i have to i have to get my swim in otherwise i lose my mind yeah and it's so good that you found what works for you yeah. i think people would first move here and then just be like I, how do i like how do you combat that crazy pace yeah but it, it's ocean dip ocean the ocean being close to the ocean having a really good community which is what mm. i found in la i was very lucky to ha make good friends quickly but i really think that living near the ocean too certain people gravitate towards that lifestyle yeah um well, and i tend come to from. love those people oh. yeah. <laughs> i love those people i love people that are, are ocean babies so yeah i feel like finding my community and having this like a little calm oasis to come home to is what's kept me here for so long. Oh, I can understand why this is so beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> so before we start, the first question I ask everyone is what the most down-to-earth thing is about them. Huh. Particularly because 
you know, in this day and age, even the people that do share a lot of the behind the scenes and, you know, some of the more authentic moments, it's still really hard to show, to break down that glossy surface, I think, that social media can create, especially when you have an incredible job like yours where you are always out and about and you are always posting the highlights because there are so many. But what is something that's just normal about you? Oh my gosh, I feel like everything is normal about me. I don't feel like this. That's what I love about you. Um, Oh my gosh, that's a really good question. I think that my friends would be able to answer this, but I'm never good at answering anything about myself that's like positive. Um, That's terrible. I'm working on that. Um, Most down to earth. Well, that's probably another, that probably is down to earth about you that you Uh, find it hard to. Yeah, I take, I don't take compliments well. That's something that I find hard as well. I like to be barefoot as much as I can be. That's something that people at work always find really weird when I'm walking around the offices barefoot. But I grew up on a farm <laughs> near the beach and like we didn't wear shoes. So I can imagine LA production people being like, Renee. Yeah, they're literally you're like, a it's hobo. disgusting. <laughs> like, have you looked at the ground? And I'm like, no, actually, I didn't. But it still feels lovely. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen the underneath of my feet either. <laughs> um, I guess that might be it. But I think what it would always, I, I think what my friends and my family would say is that. Um, I'm, I still call Australia home and I still care more about family and my close friends and, mm. and the people who've been around the longest than I do about, you know, career and making yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I might have when I was in my early 20s, but it's definitely shifted a lot more and I've always felt this incredible pull to Australia. That's never changed. Oh, that's so beautiful. Mm. It really is. I feel like... Even like Australians travel so much considering how far we are away from everything. Yeah. But it's just there's something about when you get through customs <laughs> and you hear those Aussie accents and you're like, oh, it's just a great place to live. Even flying in, to be honest, when you fly into Australia, no matter where you're flying in, but generally I'm flying either into Sydney or to the Gold Coast mm. and you just see that ocean and it's sparkling and it's turquoise. And, and everyone's and, a dag. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the freeways aren't clogged yeah. and the, the, the air is clear. Actually, the thing you notice the most when you've lived in LA a long time is getting off the plane and you you can breathe so well that it freaks you out. Oh, you're, you're like, like, oh, what is that? My lungs are open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. Oh, I lived in Hong Kong for a little while and I remember oh. when I got home and I was like, <gasps> like I almost had too much air. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh. Yeah, it's <laughs> I'm too double clean. breathing. Australia, yeah. you're too clean. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> so the first segment is called Way TA, which is pretty much how you got, well, the way to get here. And I think it's one of those things where people often meet you at the back end of your journey. Mm. And it looks like, you know, it looks so easy. It always looks mm-hmm. like, oh, it made sense. You were always going to end up here. You've worked really hard and this is an amazing job and you get up and yay every day. But I think they forget that behind that is usually like 10 plus years of mm. grind and most of that time not knowing where you'd end up, having so much uncertainty, going off on different paths, coming back and like no one really knows what they want to do until they find it. Mm-hmm. So let's go all the way back to the beginning to young Renee in <laughs> Mullumbimby. <laughs> you were actually our second Mullumbimby guest. Who was the first? Uh Danny Milham, okay. who founded Koala. Oh, that's cool. You know Koala Mattresses? Yeah. Danny's from Mullumbimby. I did not know that. Putting I did Mullumbimby not. Ex- on the map. <laughs> yeah. Is Iggy Azalea also from Mullumbimby? She yes, went to my he high said school. that too. Yeah, and her name was Amethyst Kelly, I think, oh. when we went to school. Wow. <laughs> I didn't expect to recognise Mullumbimby, but I was like, wow, I go. know where that is. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Biggest little town in Australia, that's its slogan. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. And it's obviously exporting talent like nothing else. Yeah, so, come on. <laughs> so you were born in Southport in mm-hmm. Queensland. Born, like grew up in Mullumbimby, yeah. but were in Vanuatu? Yeah, my parents lived in Vanuatu, so I spent the first three years of my life in Vanuatu, just running around on the wow. island with no clothes, eating coconuts and avocados. Do you remember it? I, I, I think I do, but I think that's mainly from photos. I have so many photos yeah. from that time in my life. so You've stitched it together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I think it, uh, from what I do remember or I pretend to remember, it was very special. Wow. You really are a beach girl. I'm an island baby, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And what were you like as a child? Like, did you always have inclinations towards the arts and dancing and singing? Or yeah. did you go through an awkward phase? Like, did you always know what you wanted to do? I always danced. I always performed. I was that annoying kid. And now I just can't believe my parents allowed this. But whenever they'd have a dinner party with all of their friends, <gasps> I would put on a show for them. Oh, I did that too. Uh, and now <laughs> I, I feel like, it, yeah, a concert. And I'd make my little sister be my sidekick. And oh. she would have to introduce me. And I'd throw her around. And I'd sing and dance. And my parents like laugh about it now. And they're like, you were so cute. And I just think, gosh, if I went over to a friend's place and their kids would not shut up and stop singing and dancing, I'd be like, 
oh, obnoxious. But they really, yeah, right? <laughs> but they really accepted it. And, then, and that was what I always wanted to do. I do remember, though, I wanted to be a professional dancer. That was 100%. But mm. I do remember watching Getaway and stuff as a kid and just being like, oh, I want to do that. I want to do that for a living. I didn't know what that entailed. And yeah. That, like being a host. I, I thought that the people who worked in McDonald's on the commercials worked in McDonald's. <laughs> like I just didn't understand. You, you didn't know. connect the dots. No, you don't. And growing <laughs> up out there, it just, there was no entertainment hub and there was yeah. no one doing that world. So I was always the crazy overachiever that was flying to Sydney to do dancing and Steadfords and all kinds of things. Um, and then moved to Sydney, went to Brent Street Performing Arts for a year, came out of that. Um, and worked as a professional dancer for a bit before signing with Sony. I was in a really, really uh, famous popular girl band. Girl that band. you are. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, <laughs> it's called Girl so Band, that, isn't it? Yeah, that's that That's the name. The name. Mm, very descriptive. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Really on the nose, that one. Um, <laughs> really subtle. Just don't know why it didn't work out. Um, <laughs> but look, that was a really fun, eye-opening, scary experience that definitely showed me that I didn't want to be in the music world. Oh, wow. Um, so that was quite fast. You were like, yeah. okay, tick. No, it was very quick. <laughs> yeah. Blinking, you missed us. Um, and then <laughs> from that, I ended up literally falling into hosting. I went for an acting audition. I was terrible. Um, so bad. I was so embarrassed. I-, I get embarrassed very easily, which is so weird since I, was I love say, to perform. Yeah. But there's something about putting on another character, pretending to be someone, someone else that made me really uncomfortable. Um, and the casting director saw that and told my agent at the time, look, she was terrible oh. in the audition. Like the lines oh. and everything, it just felt so inauthentic. But when she was just chatting to us, we really liked her and thought she had a great personality. Oh. So my agent said, would you consider hosting? And I was like, I don't even know what that what is. What is that? But sure. And they put me up for an audition. I got the job. It was to be the co-host of a game show, which I really said maybe. This is the bingo Bingo thing. night, yeah. <laughs> I said three words an episode, I think. I, I barely said anything. I was 11. Yes, that was it. I th- think I got to say a couple of numbers an episode and smile. But it was like, you know, it was my introduction to TV and being on a big flashy set um, and fell into Safari, which was like a travel surfing show. I completely lied about my surfing ability to get that job nice. and learned that I will never lie again. Oh, well, now this is why the surfboard is on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> not off the I wall. I do surf. I'm just not great. And I especially wasn't great back then. And uh, I wanted the job really badly. So I lied and said I was good. Um, You're definitely not the first person who's done that. Yeah, no, no. But I don't know if many people would have to then be at Pipeline or back doors on the North Shore. and <laughs> On TV. They, they like, paddle out. Can you do a little read to camera? I was like, paddle out. There's no chance I'm going out there. Like, never in a million years. And then from there, Channel V and yeah. Oh my gosh, that's Crazy. so cool. But it just, and I, I feel silly saying it, but it did really happen. It just happened. Like mm. it, I, I always wanted it. And I worked really hard as a performer, obviously my whole life, like dance was my everything. And I trained so hard. Um, I wasn't really good enough to make it. I don't think as a dancer over here, had I tried, but I knew that I loved being on stage and I loved performing. I just didn't. Really you didn't know what format. Yeah. And I remember when I left Channel V to move over here, I was terrified. And I forget how scared I was, but my friends will remind me and be like, remember when you thought that nothing would work out and it was such a huge mistake and blah, blah, blah. And then nine years goes by and you're like, oh, I'm still here. <laughs> and I'm still doing really well here. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm not broke. I'm yeah. on the street. <laughs> yeah. I really, like, I can't, so cool. I can't believe it, but I feel bad saying it because it did, it did happen pretty quickly yeah. for me. I think it's such a good example that it can as well because yeah. often you do hear the story of like I was poor and I was destitute and I didn't get anything and there was just rejection, rejection, rejection for 10 years and then I yeah. just, you know, something happened. But then for some people it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes yeah. it, sometimes you do just work hard and you do get the right opportunities and the right people see you and you get roles yeah. and then it, you, it can flow that way. It doesn't have to have – you don't have to uh, – I think sometimes people think you have to have adversity to earn. Yeah. Like if there's no pain or if there's no like true mm-hmm. rock bottom that you can't build foundations. But I don't really think no, you need to. No, that hasn't. And, and I'm so thankful that that hasn't been the case for me. Not to say that I haven't struggled. Not to say that it hasn't yeah. been really hard yeah, at times. Yeah. And I got thrown into a job that I was not ready for and I was not trained well enough for. And my boss thankfully and incredibly saw something in me. But when I look back on those tapes and I think back to my first few months, first couple of years of interviews... I was horrible. I was so green and so scared and so naive. I was a baby. I was 24 when I started Yeah, this I was going to say, when did you move over? So was, you... Yeah, it was nine years ago. Oh, and you were 23. I was 24, yeah. Oh, my God. And that's yeah. so young. It's so young. But so I mean, young to move countries. <laughs> right, and... by yourself. And it's, 
yeah, it's crazy that I did and, and drove on the wrong side of the freeway the first day I landed. <laughs> oh, and, you know, like no. all of these things that I think about, like, like, I can't believe I did that. Oh, my gosh. Did you move with the job or did you move to get a job? I, I came over for a couple of months. I took some meetings. I had a couple of offers. You need to have an offer to get a green, uh, to get a, an 01 working visa anyway. So I had the okay. offers in place, but nothing was cement until I went back to Australia, tied up everything flew over here and the second I turned my phone on when I landed my agent called and said extra um still really want to work with you they're going to send you on an interview tonight depending how it goes you know we'll figure out what the contract will be and then the next day they offered me a three-year contract oh my god literally the day I landed and it was just like oh my gosh I've got to get a car I've got to get a bank account I've got to get a social security and like so many things but yeah, it was wild. How did you decide that you were ready to wrap up in Australia and head to LA? Because I, I think that's, it's almost a rite of passage. It's, a, it's such a bigger market, the opportunities. It makes sense for anyone mm. who's doing really well in Australia to come here. But when do you decide that you're going to literally uproot your life and move somewhere that you have never lived before? Well, for me, I think I had a little bit of an excuse and it, it was a little easier for me to make the decision because I was in a relationship with someone who was living in LA. Oh, yeah, so okay. I... <laughs> little incentive. Yeah, I honestly think that was the catalyst to get me here because because I would have been too scared and I also just don't think I would have thought about coming here, maybe years down the track, but mm. at that time, yeah, I wouldn't have thought. I didn't think ever about Hollywood and L.A. Really? And living and working here. No, not That was never like the dream. No, not really. That's so interesting, especially I, as a dancer because I'm like, yeah. L.A. is like, you know, where it's at. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I hadn't really spent any time here either. I'd been here once and I loved it and thought it was fun, but yeah. for me to move, I love my family. I'm not someone who wants to escape my family, yeah. so for me to move halfway <laughs> across the world from them, like that was a really big thing and it's still a really hard thing to be away from them. Yeah. Oh gosh. I, I can't like I just can't believe how quickly it all happened. Like even now I'm like getting anxiety thinking you had to move like within one minute yeah. and it just all happened. Yeah, but I mean, how amazing is that? Because the amount of meetings I went on with agents and they were like, just be prepared to be sleeping on people's couches and doing Runyon every day yeah. for three years <laughs> and save free. your money, <laughs> save your money and this, that and the other. And I was like, no, no, that's not how it's going to happen for me. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing this and making this sacrifice and taking this risk for it to not work out. And I, I will say there is something in just believing yes. you know that it's going to happen yeah. and and in my mind there was no option for it to fail yeah. I was not going to leave my family my friends and this incredible life I'd built in Australia to come here and not figure it out yeah and go running back with my tail between my legs I yeah, just, I, yeah. I refused and it was just going to work and it did yeah so I don't know wow <laughs> and did you at the time did you have any idea what was going to happen like did you think oh I might this might be a three-year stint I'll go home or yeah. I thought three to five years tops I thought and you just go back yeah and but I'm telling you there's something about LA everyone who comes here will tell you the same thing time it, it's different here it, it really does go so fast you can go a whole year in this city without seeing someone who you call a really good friend. They could have got engaged or married in the time, had a baby, yeah. whatever. And you'd be like, oh, we said multiple times we we're going to catch up for dinner and then a year goes past. You're like, what happened? Yeah. It's just the pace. It's so it's crazy. crazy. It goes really fast. Blink and 10 years goes by. Oh, my gosh. And it's scary. <laughs> and you're like, wow, it's literally been 10 yeah, years. Yeah, it's still almost here. 10 years. <laughs> so that first, you know, interview process to getting the job, I think it was John Travolta that you credit for helping get yes, you the job. Yeah. That's a pretty huge star to be just like lumped in with on the very first time that you're given access to people to interview how did that go and then what was that what was the first steps of being in this massive market and doing this job on like national American television not Australian television but American TV like how did you get used to that transition and not fangirling everyone when you see them and just freaking out and being like, I know now you've probably got it down pat except for yeah. Oprah, I read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oprah never gets never gets dull, that yeah. one. That one always is exciting. No, I definitely had my heart in beating out of my chest every time those first few interviews. I mean, for the first probably year, I would say I was always nervous and, and, and still can be nervous when it's certain people. But um, thankfully, my first interview being John Travolta, he is the kindest man. And I still, every time I see him, I'm so thankful to him. <laughs> Thank you for my job. Yeah, for just being so gracious and kind. And it was my first interview and he gave me, 
he gave me something that was really big and I didn't even know it at the time, but I broke news with my interview with him and that's how I got the job was he oh. told me the name of his baby. Oh my god! I was gosh. the first one and he told me that name and I didn't, you know, being so naive and I didn't go to study journalism or anything. So when he said it, I was just like, oh, cool, thanks. And then the next day, the headlines everywhere, John Travolta reveals na- baby name Benjamin. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. That was like me. I didn't realize that's an exclusive and that's like what the whole goal of this job is to, you know, get people to open up and tell you something they haven't told someone else yet. Um, And I think the fact that I was so naive and so just innocently asking a genuine question, that's what helped get me the job. And I've tried to continue that on. And it's not even a, trying isn't even really the right word because I genuinely do care. And I genuinely love connecting with people Mm. and getting to know their stories and just, communicating with them as if they are friends and that they're not celebrities or stars because I mean you when you've been in this town long enough you kind of realize that everybody's got their stuff you know and everyone's just a person yeah I think the more people I meet the more and the more people I meet that you expect to be I don't know have this like golden aura around them or something or physically be taller than everyone else or something yeah. like everyone's the same yeah they're just people except for brad pitt he's not the same okay. <laughs> no i when mm. i saw you interviewing brad i was like i can't ha, I, I how did you not melt into a puddle on the floor yeah like, you do what? you kind of do time, time <laughs> like, stops when brad pitt's oh. talking and, and like looking just, at you yeah i would just be like i can't i can't I can't cope with this. No, like, what you do forget. You... He leaves and you're like, what just happened? Did I speak? Did anything yeah. come out of my <laughs> did, mouth? Did, are words happening? He is one of the few, I will say, in the 10 years of doing this. Like, it's him and George Clooney. Oh, clones. Tom Cruise has that effect too. But but really, Brad is so beautiful and you feel his presence before you see him. Wow. It's like that real movie star thing. Yeah, So yeah. people like that, yes. I, and, and you and because they're so intensely staring at you while you're asking the question, you're like, I really got to make this sound yeah. profound <laughs> and it's gibberish. So. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine the pressure. Like I even find now when I first started the podcast, going from being interviewed mm. to being the interviewer, you think that you've got a list of questions, you just ask the questions. But to really get the most out of someone for the people listening to also get the most out of the conversation you're having and the person it's hard like it's a skill you actually have to be thinking 20 questions ahead while you (laughs) still look like you're listening to what they're saying and then responding and pivoting as they like give you different answers it's kind of hard yeah it is it's definitely not as easy as I think everybody thinks it is Mm. um but if you're good at it you make it look easy yeah (laughs) so how does it work for you do you get a brief before an event and you are told like there's certain things you need to talk about do you write all your questions yourself how does it all work we have an incredible team of people and research um that gets pulled for us usually I'll have to watch a movie like the movie whoever is promoting the movie I'll watch their film or the TV show so I have to ca- ah. keep up on a lot of things um, and then yeah they'll send us production notes they'll send us info on each person and they'll write questions for me but generally I'll reword them rework mm. them and it's kind of a 50-50 split of doing myself and and taking what they give me so it's a good collaborative process oh that's cool and at this point most of them I know yeah so I was again, gonna say it's just like a natural conversation following up from the last time we spoke because you do see a lot of these people a lot yeah how yeah how often do you actually how often would you be like on the red carpet and then what kind of work are you doing do you have to spend time in the office like what's your kind of week work-wise look like well every day I go in early in the morning for hair and makeup and then we shoot the show every day around the same time which is normally like 9 a.m till 1 or 2 p.m we'll have a couple of interviews come to set and we'll shoot interviews on set but then I'll usually go to a junket which is do you know what junket is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So but explain to, to okay, everyone Okay, okay. So for a junket when um, they're promoting a movie or a TV series, the stars will all be in one hotel and the press will come and circulate rooms and we'll just interview everyone in that day. And <laughs> The poor stars. I mean, answer the same the question. The same question. Trust me, there's times where you walk in, especially if you get a late slot and you walk in and you just see them like... A, here we go again you're like all right let's act like this is the first time people come yeah. on Sheesh. that's a skill too making people energized when they're exhausted yeah. no trying to pull things out of people that really don't want to give you anything that's another part of the job um but i got sidetracked what were you talking about oh the usual <laughs> the day so i'll have junkets and premieres and red carpets every week um there's oh my definitely gosh. yeah either a junket or well last week i had a junket and two red carpets as well as like Whoa. the new stuff. So yeah, that's normal in LA. And that's kind of an average week. Some days there's more, some days, some weeks there's less, but yeah, it's that's never, crazy. it never stops. It never stops here. You think about how many TV shows and movies there are. Of course. Everything has to have a premiere. Everything has to have like a, a mid-season press day. There's just, 
so many things. Oh my gosh, that blows my mind. I never mm. actually thought about there being a red carpet every week. Oh, there's at least, I'm I like, would say oh, there's, there's at Oscar least four to five red carpets a week. Whoa! But we just, you know, I might cover one to two a week. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How do you, like, <laughs> how do you do that? Like, do your, your daytime job of filming and then have to actually get ready and like and presentable honestly it's pretty it's gotten pretty bad to the point where I go and work out in the afternoons because I'll have like a 3 p.m to 5 p.m break most days and I'm like if I don't work out now it's not happening so I'll go yeah. work out and I'll do the shower of like keeping my face out so oh yeah so your makeup face of makeup it's disgusting <laughs> and pretty embarrassing you gotta do what you gotta, you do. gotta do you gotta do and then you get the blow dryer and you dry any of the sweat in the hair and then you go on a red car I literally do that every time oh my point. god that's a, at this point you know <laughs> you're like I've come this far seriously and like you gotta you've gotta do the things that keep you sane and keep for me I'm a Libra I need balance I need to be doing <laughs> the things that make me feel like I'm looking after myself yeah. at the same time so you fit it in when you've got to fit it in oh, and I'm so glad you actually fit it in because I think some people yes. wouldn't well I'm like what else am I gonna do I, I do a lot of the time go visit friends and I you know catch up with people when I can mm-hmm. but my yoga my meditation my workouts that, that I can't bend on that stuff I have before and then I've ended up crazy over it yeah. so I know my, my balance I actually we were here oh, when, when was I here last like a couple of years ago and we were shooting the um Pinky Promise yeah, yeah, yeah. best friend thing. Yeah. And I hadn't done – I was meditating, like, quite regularly, but probably not very structured. Like, I do, like, two minutes here, three minutes there. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't done – I've now done my TM um, qualification, but I hadn't at the time. And you and Ash were like, okay, stop. Like, before <laughs> we do anything else, we have to fit this in because it's not going to be – you know, we're not going to be as good and yeah. we're not going to be in the zone. We're all feeling a little bit like it's been a big day. And I was like, yeah, I'll come with you. We did I a 20-minute medi yeah. and – I was like, it's the first time I'd ever meditated that long. Oh, wow. And also without guidance. Mm. So I was like, okay, yeah, you were doing a meditation. We sat down, everyone closed their eyes, no talking. And I was like, what is happening? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know the amount of people that Ashley and I have probably recruited in that way too? (laughs) Yes. Totally converted me. That was the first time. How much has it changed your life though? 20 minutes twice a day. And I would have thought that was so much time Mm -hmm. to have to put aside, but it just flows and every all your other time expands so true because your brain just is different it's yeah. so I always remember that day because I was like how do they know when it's been 20 minutes <laughs> like you just both came out at the same time as well oh Ashley's definitely more in tune with that than I am it takes me sometimes I'll come out thinking oh my gosh I've overdone it and it's been 10 minutes yeah and I'm like oh <laughs> um, but halfway. other times it's longer but yeah it's that's that's changed my life but having those those things that are like part of my routine mm. in a way Yes, they get disrupted a lot because I have to travel or a shoot comes up or anything. But if I can stick to those things as much as I can, I think that's that's what's kept me doing this for as long as I can. Because, I mean, the work isn't hard. Mm. It's not hard work. It's fun. It's great. Um, it, but it takes a lot of energy. And mm. when you're interviewing people all day, every day, as you know, doing this, it's... Um, it's a big energy exchange. Totally. You know? And you also, when you're on camera, you're on. You are just on yeah. all the time. <laughs> There's a record of everything yeah, you're doing. <laughs> yeah, but you just have to be up and happy and smiling and mm. everything. And some days you're not, yeah. but you have to be. It's interesting that you said that. It's probably the work doesn't feel hard for you because you love it and you're mm. so good at it. But I think it is still hard work. And I'll also always remember, uh, it's so weird, I have such a bad memory. I don't know why I remember these two things <laughs> so clearly. But another thing that... Mark Filippelli said about you when I can't even remember what it was I'd met you a couple of times and I don't know why we were talking about you maybe it was at the start of the podcast and I was like oh if I'm in LA I was meant to be in LA last year so I cook up with Renee and something he said was she's one of the hardest workers I know but it just when you said then it's not hard work I was like oh I think it is I think it just you're just good at it and you're just good at not making it feel like a, a burden and a drainer because you're you're it comes to you yeah and you're well practiced and you're and you don't you just don't think of it as hard work because it's your right. job right yeah that's true and I do actually that is the one thing that all my friends would say is like you work so hard yeah but I think that's because we also live in a time where so many of our friends and the people around us have constructed their own business and mm. their own schedule mm. and so they kind of have this flexibility that I definitely don't have yeah you know and especially working living and working in America the vacations are less Yes, and I'm really thankful my my team and my my boss they realise I'm Australian. My family's <laughs> on the other side of the world. Yeah. I have to get back there, so I do get a, a pretty good amount. But it's not the same as friends who work for themselves or do whatever, and they can just get up and go to Europe for a couple of months in the summer or take a four day weekend to go do something. So I don't have that kind of flexibility in my yeah. schedule, and 
like I said, there are so many things happening in Hollywood at all times. It just doesn't shut down. Yeah. There's no quiet period. It's like a week over Christmas, maybe. It's quiet. Yeah, there's no like it. lull time. It's no. like, I'm just going to like hibernate for a little while Mm-mm. and be ugly for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Nope. Hair and makeup every day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but again, like that's not something I can complain about. You say that and it's like, oh, people are like, oh, I would kill to have my hair and makeup done every yeah. day. You know? But, but then nine years later, would they? Yeah. Like probably not. <laughs> well, my hair is definitely breaking off at this point from being done so much. But look, that is convenient, especially if you have like something to go to later and, you and your hair already and makeup's done. done. Yeah, that's great. But when you're at the gym sweating in it, you're like, oh, this is not great. <laughs> and another thing that I think is so cool about you that is quite different to, you know, everyone who's starting businesses and has all this flexibility of time is that not many of us have like had the staying power to stick with one thing for nine years. <laughs> like there are actually very few people in our age group, even our broad age group, yeah. that can say that they've been in the same job for that long. Like I can't actually think of anyone else that I know. And that's such a credit to you, but also to the job that you've been able to find something that's still challenging every day for you. I can't imagine the other kind of person that's like, tick, done, like this is easy now, I'm just gonna keep doing it because it's easy. Like there must be a new challenge in it each year for you. How have you kept it fresh and exciting for you? Honestly, I think the fact that every day is different in my job is what keeps it fresh and exciting. I'm never interviewing, I mean, it's rare that I interview Travolta every week or Oprah every week like you know it's always somebody different I think like I had a really crazy week a couple weeks ago last week where I did Brad Pitt and Joaquin Phoenix and (laughs) you know I had like this really great week and I had to watch had to I was able to watch these amazing movies and I was like this is my job and it's crazy and yes I get really tired and it can be exhausting and I'm homesick and all of those things but yeah every day is different every week is different the award shows are really fun and exciting Mm. um I think that's what keeps it fresh but like I said, it's also time just goes so fast here that I don't even know. You don't notice it's been that long. Yeah. And I can't, I can't imagine you'd ever get bored because there's like, it, yeah, you can't there's no time. Bored. You can't be bored. And and I, I I know this is a silly saying, but I think boring people get bored. You don't, yes, you know? I agree. I know what you mean. How can you get bored? In this day and age. I like, would kill <laughs> to be bored, by the way. I would kill <laughs> for a day where I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh. Like that, I haven't felt that in nine years. Maybe that's the thing that I do kind of yeah. miss, but I don't get a second to be bored. Yeah, wow. That's okay. And speaking of uh, awards you were talking about, firstly, this is an Emmy award winning interviewer <laughs> I am sitting in front of, by the way. That is an incredible, incredible achievement. Thank you. And Did in you a month. No. <gasps> oh my God. I've never seen them in real life. Yeah. Do you want me to get you one? Yeah, yes, please. Hold it. It's probably oh. so dusty. Renee. Like that is just out. My mind is exploding right now. What an incredible achievement! Like, who in real life wins an Emmy? Honestly. Oh, well, I mean, a lot. Of <laughs> well, have. me. A lot of people have, but gosh, it's a bit dusty. They're massive. They're big. They're real. Feel it. It's like they're not plastic. Oh, <laughs> they're not like my, my plastic God. dance trophies. <laughs> it's actually really heavy. Yeah. Whoa! I know, and my name's on there. Isn't that crazy? It's so weird. <gasps> oh my gosh! Daytime Emmy Awards, outstanding entertainment news program. Renee Barr, weekend co-host slash correspondent. Yeah, that was back when I was weekend co-host. But yeah. This is insane. Cool, right? Like for you, you know, I I can imagine that's one of the highlights. What else over the course of your career has stuck out to you as like, I am doing good stuff. Like Um, this is awesome. Gosh. And like the first Oscars you went to, did you just flip out? The first Oscars, 100% was that. It was terrifying. I remember. (laughs) What did you wear? Oh my gosh, I don't even remember. Isn't that terrible? I'd have to look back. I'd have to Google because I don't. I, I don't think I, it was my finest moment. I don't think oh, it was yeah. my greatest look. Um, it was probably also a while ago. So even if it was fashionable ago. then, yeah, like. <laughs> I know. I don't remember what I wore, but I do remember feeling like, "How am I here?" I think we all suffer from imposter syndrome yeah. in some way, shape, or form. But I remember in the beginning really being like someone's going to come and kick me off this carpet <laughs> at any moment. And I just like, sorry, sorry, thank you, sorry. Like ducking and weaving through people. Um, but, oh gosh, what's been some cool... I've had some pretty cool interviews and cool experiences. I remember I went to Hawaii and did this interview with Chris Pratt out where they <laughs> shot Jurassic Park. And he was like driving me around in his little Jeep on the island and showing me things. And that was a moment where I was like, this is cool. And Jeff Goldblum took me up in a helicopter Shut and interviewed him up. in a helicopter, helicopter, which was cool. So there's been moments like that. I've got to write, I've really got to start writing stuff down because you forget, because there's been oh, so many yes. cool things. I flew to Paris. You should keep a little list. I know. I flew to Paris last year for Tom Cruise, oh which was gosh. cool. 
That would blow me away. Yeah. Just even being able to see these people in situ as well, like not just yeah. in a ster- – not sterile, but not in, just in a studio environment where they – the environment makes them the same as you. Like mm. there's nothing around them that like is the set that they're working on or they're not doing their work. But yeah. I can imagine being out in Jurassic Park, like what the hell? Yeah, that was a cool one. <laughs> that only happened last year, but I remember being like, oh, I'll remember this one. And then the, the next time I saw Chris Pratt, he was like, how cool was that when we were – Riding around in a Jeep in Hawaii, and I was like, uh, cool for you. It was way cooler for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. You were doing that for the rest of the time there. Like, yeah. it was my one day there. Yeah, it was pretty That's cool. It's amazing. Oh yeah. my gosh. So what do you think? You know, I know, I'm sure you can't even plan anything in this place. Mm-hmm. I feel like everyone I speak to in LA is like, I can't think about the next like five minutes, let alone five hours or five yeah. days. But do you have a vision of what the next five years would look like? Or is there anything that you would love to achieve in Hollywood that you haven't been able to do yet? I, I do and I don't. It's a really interesting paradigm I've, I, because I honestly could never have guessed that I would be here. Mm. Like if someone asked me when I was living in Sydney, where do you see yourself five years? I never would have said working in LA with Mario Lopez, who I grew up watching every Saturday before Saturday Disney. <laughs> I was actually going to ask about Mario next. Like, <laughs> yeah, that is was he amazing? Co- he is the best. He's such a cool, fun guy. And um, I remember my first day on set with him. I literally had to walk onto set and met him while the cameras were kind of rolling and do a read with him. And I was like, I grew up watching Saved by the Bell. That I mean, we, didn't, we weren't allowed to watch any TV really in our house, but we were allowed to watch one hour before dance class on Saturdays. And it was always Saved by the Bell. I was always a Zach Morris girl, which I told Mario, but um, he forgave me for that one. <laughs> but he was so cool and so easy and seemed so unaffected and... I guess that I just wasn't nervous either. I yeah. stepped up and was like, ah, oh, and then it's just norm- a normal person. And then we ended up working together every day for nine years. So it was great. But um, yeah, so if someone had asked me, I don't know if I would have ever guessed that. I do see myself spending more time in Australia. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm called to do and where I'm called to be, I think, is is home more. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out how I make that work and how I make that happen. And I mean, the dream and the goal would be to split my time um, because I love like my half, life. Half. Yeah. And I don't know how likely that is, but I just, I miss my family mm. in such a real painful way. I, it took a while for me to get to this place where I'm so homesick that I literally want to cry when I think about them. Oh. But it's beautiful and we're so lucky to come from such an incredible place. And the longer you're away from it, like anything, you just yeah. appreciate it even more. Yeah. So that's for me is my goal is to try and get home more and um, wow. see if I can figure that out. And I'd love to work home back home in Australia eventually. And there's some things over there that, that make me really excited and I think that um Aussies are just the best so we are I don't know do you think that that's worked really well for you over here like yeah they love Aussies here yeah like it's quite unusual I think to have an Australian accent as one of the main hosts on such a big tv show but it obviously like people respond to it very well and don't go oh like because yeah. well, you don't have to goodness. do an accent. Which yeah. is <laughs> thank goodness for Hugh Jackman and Chris Hemsworth yeah. and you know all the and Nicole Kidman and all those awesome Aussies that paved the way because Americans do love Australians because of those people and the incredible yeah. reputations they have. And it's no, jo- I mean it's it's true. Aussies are for the most part just so easy to get along with and we're really everyone says oh Aussies are really hard workers and they're surprised by it yeah. like no we're not necessarily hard workers we're smart workers yes. like we work hard and we play hard and so you get the most out of an Aussie I think because their productivity level is really high because they also know how to shut off on the weekends mm. and go to the beach and be with their family and disconnect <laughs> so much bang for buck I guys. know <laughs> it's true though it's, it's very I, I think that they're we're very productive people yeah. with our time. But I can see in a sea of like just everyone auditioning for everything, it would almost be an advantage to make you memorable yeah. that you have something a little bit different. You're not just another, you know, like a, anything that's kind of a bit exotic, I think is exciting for yeah. people. So they'll remember an Aussie accent. Hey. Yeah, it's true. Well, that's the funny thing. People are always like, oh, did someone, did you get recognized? Whatever. I'm like, generally it's not when people see me, it's when I speak. When I'm at the airport and I check in or I say something, they're like, oh, you're that Aussie girl from Extra or whatever. I'm oh like, my oh, gosh. Yeah. You're like, yeah, it's my voice, yeah. not my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, the 10 pounds of makeup I wear on TV yeah. can be a little bit distracting. It just, it changes my face just, yeah, a, little just bit. a little bit. They're always, that, that's the first thing they say. And then the second thing is usually, oh, you're so much smaller in real life. And I'm like, Huh. Really? Well, what do you mean by that? Like, 4K television is not that helpful. Yeah, that do you mean flattering. like adding pounds to me? Yeah, or what do you say? It's true that the camera adds pounds, by the way. Oh, that is really? Definitely true. I think it's more a height. Like, well, there's that too. I think it's that you 
uh, like you're on a pedestal when you're on the television yeah. and there's no reference point. So right. I always expect that famous people will be huge yeah. because you have this idea of them in your head is like massive. Like so before true. I met Gary Vee, I was so nervous. I was like, how do you interview someone who's been interviewed by like everybody? Mm. And which I imagine you feel or you do it all yeah. the time. But I was like, this is like my, he was probably the biggest person I've ever interviewed. And he was like shorter than me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I what? I'm so confused. Yeah. Like I expected him to just be large. Isn't that true? I found yeah. that too. That was my first week at Extra. The main thing I came away with was everyone is so small over here. Yeah. And it wasn't like it's just here. But on yeah, you're right. On TV, you look and you're like, oh, they're so larger than life. And yeah. Then, yeah. And then they're just normal sized. And yeah. they're not short, but they're, you're just, just like, normal. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know. It's so true. <laughs> So what about some of the challenges? The second segment is NATA, which is all the stuff that's gotten in the way of your joy along mm-hmm. the way, like homesickness, I imagine, has been yeah. a really hard one. Balance and I think probably pace, like all of us in this day and age are struggling against this incessant conveyor belt of like the next thing and yeah. always like goals and achievement and success, <laughs> but especially here where there is literally no off season. Yeah. There's competition for everything every five seconds. Like you can't rest on your laurels ever. But being someone who is, you know, you're a health coach as well. Like you, you know the principles of what you need to be healthy and to enjoy your life. How do you find a middle ground? And what have some of the other challenges been for you with even just social media making you so connected mm. in your work and then having to travel all the time and, and the camera adding 10 pounds, like having to <laughs> look a certain way because you're in the public eye all the time. Mm. And then being recognised in privacy, like, what? Are, yeah, what have the challenges been for you? Um, I would say I've been pretty lucky in the sense that I haven't felt any pressure from anyone around me in terms of the way I look or body image. And I'm yeah. so thankful to have always had a really healthy um, outlook when it comes to my health and wellness. For me, it's always just about feeling really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been really – and I think that's the other amazing thing about being in L.A. is it's so easy to be healthy and mm-hmm. everything's so accessible and there's so many amazing classes and all of that. Um, I think the biggest challenges have been missing my family and going through a lot of things, like just life stuff that happens – um, when you're a woman in your late 20s, early 30s, navigating the world and not having your people here, yeah. you know, and I have incredible friends, but you realize that LA is quite a transient city. So people come and go mm. and, and then people have their own people or their own families or they get into relationships. So it, and it also is a very big city. So you have to drive everywhere to see people. Yeah. As you, I forgot how far Venice is. Everything like, is far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. So it's, it can be quite isolating in a way. Um, I never struggle really with the loneliness type feeling or anything because I, I have got an incredible community. But I've, I've had some pretty bad heartbreaks since I've been in LA. Aww, and I, I think know. the heartbreak has been the thing that has really rattled me and taken me off course a few times. Mm. And But then has always been the impetus to incredible healing and growth and work that I've done. So even if it's been so hard and so scary and I felt so alone and you know, like I'd never be in love again and all of those things. You, It's like the phoenix. You come out of the ashes and you're so much better and stronger and wiser yeah. for all of it. But those those things never get easier when you're on the other side of the world from your people. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, you have a sister as well. Yeah, and my How many sister? Sisters? Just one just sister one. and she is my world. She's yeah. literally my everything, my best friend. We, we FaceTime three times a day. Oh my God, yeah. that is so Well, she has sweet. a baby now too. I know. So oh, I FaceTime with my three-month-old niece. So I'm just like... Hey guys. Obsessed with her. Answer so that's also really hard yeah. being away from her. It's interesting that it's gotten harder as time has gone on. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of people probably have it the other way around that they're really homesick when they get here and then they kind of acclimatize and Yeah, I don't know. I I, I was yeah, I wasn't really homesick in the beginning. The yeah. first three to five years Every time I'd go home, I was really happy. But every time I'd land in LA, I would get those butterflies and be like, yes, this is where I'm supposed to be. But now I cry probably 13 of the 15 hours of the flight home from from Australia. The poor person next to me is like, what is wrong with this girl? And then two or three days into being in LA, I'm back, you know, on the grind. But that's the other thing. When you were talking about how we're all on this quest and everybody, it really does feel like in LA people are, you, you're the hamster in the wheel and it's mm. just going and going and going. Mm. And sometimes I have those moments because I have a lot of friends who are really successful and people who've made a ton of money in this world and in this business. And it doesn't always equate to happiness. It and almost never equates yeah. to happiness without other stuff. Yes. It's not that alone can't solve all your problems. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't. And I think that a lot of the time in this town particularly, um, 
it can be a distraction from yourself. I think yeah. work and success can be a distraction from just facing yourself. Or it can, it's, it's just this appeal that I don't know if people know what the outcome, like what, is the outcome gonna really do the things that you think it's going to do? And is that gonna bring you all the happiness and joy and, mm. and everything in the world? Maybe for some people it does, but I think for most it doesn't. And then they end up in this state 10 years from now or whatever lonely and sad and they've I think this is another town where everyone no one really moves to LA to fall in love that's the other thing people move to LA (laughs) to succeed and to get famous yeah so relationships and love and commitment and things like that can just feel like a distraction yeah it's like I'm busy I've got you to do I'm just focusing on my career right now yeah and then it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and it's also the city of more and and there are so many successful people here and entrepreneurs and people who are just grinding away so you can feel and I definitely suffer from this I feel lazy sometimes and I do work a crazy schedule but when I'm done and my work day is done I'm having a wine with my friends or I'm at a breathwork class or I'm at yoga (laughs) like I'm not trying to come up with more work to do (laughs) I've got enough (laughs) like how do I lessen my load but then I feel lazy because like you said we are part of this culture where it's just do more be more achieve more I call it the um, productivity pressure Mm. where it's like you're peer pressured to not have downtime because it's like that, you know, we're naturally comparative because it's just what we do. We're like, oh, am I better than that person or blah, blah, Mm. blah. Like it's, and that's good. Part of it kind of is what inspires you and motivates you. And it looking to others can be a really good example, but I think we take it really far, Mm. particularly with social media, making everyone's Mm. lives much more visible than they ever were. There's so much comparison. And Mm. then the self doubt that comes from that. And then the, the way it impacts your decisions away from what you had already decided was good for you. Mm. I think that's where we get lost. It's like, I know what works for me. Oh, but I saw that someone else is doing that. Mm, Should I do that? And then you Mm -hmm. change your mind and you're like, that's where you get lost. Mm -hmm. Do you find that hard, the comparison thing? Oh, for sure. Social media, I have such a love-hate relationship with it and Mm. I struggle so much to find my voice on there. I still haven't figured out how to use it, to be honest. I feel like I was born three, five years too early to really get it. <laughs> For it to be to native. How, yeah, to know how <laughs> to make it really authentic. And I feel bad because I want to be authentic and I want to be the realest version of me. But then I struggle with it because I'm like, does anyone really care what I'm doing or what I think about this? And and then when you put yourself out there and you're really vulnerable, they there are it. they do, but then there's also the trolls and there's yeah. also this element of myself that I want to keep private. Totally. And I think that's been the hardest thing. I'm very strong on wanting to keep my relationships private mm. and my family private uh, um, as much as I can because they they didn't ask to be in this world yeah. and that's on me. So, And they live very quiet, normal lives, yes. you know, and they <laughs> yeah. like that. So it, it's hard because I feel like there's a lot that I don't share that mm. means so much to me. But I think that there's a balance of holding something sacred and just for yourself. Exactly. I realized that once a while ago, a long time ago, when I was in a relationship, I was like, why do we, why do I feel like I need to share this? Is it for me or is it actually for other people? Mm. And I came to realize when I would sit on something for a few days, I was like, oh, it's just for other people. It's not, I don't actually need to do this. Yeah. So that's been the, the, the blurry line. I also think it's super important to take a social media detox every once in a while. I just did it for the first time ever. Uh, about a month ago, I took five days, which sounds like not a long time, but it was a huge... I think most people will feel like that's a right? long time. <laughs> it, was, it was incredible. Yeah. I honestly, by day three, would leave my phone. I was on vacation, but I would leave my phone and not even need my phone for the day. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I'm just scrolling on Instagram. And I wasn't affected by anything. I My stress levels were so low. I was so happy. I was so in the moment mm-hmm. because I didn't have my phone on me. I wasn't filming and taking photos and I was bummed at the end of one of the days because I was like oh I didn't take any photos today but I realized I was like I just ate this incredible meal and I didn't have to take a photo of it and I I just realized it was a pattern and it took a few days to break the habit but by day five I felt so relaxed and then of course life happens and you get back into it and I set a timer now I'm only allowed to be on Instagram for an hour every day and the timer goes off and 
but you need a circuit breaker every now and then i think as long as you have like even having a rule as long as you have rules about it that you know are good for you Mm -hmm. i think as long as you have a good relationship with it that you understand why you're using it that that's when it's only when you feel like you're being drawn into other people's purposes or you're spending time on something that doesn't actually add any value to your life yeah or actually takes away value Mm -hmm. if you know how to use it to get the best out of it then it's an amazing tool and it's awesome but if you i think it's when you just get too carried away and you can't put it down and that's why the detoxes are amazing because it breaks that like dependence of where's my phone i need it oh my Mm -hmm. god and then you realize you don't need it at all yeah and i've been really i'm really thankful that i don't do the the comparison thing very much um because i'm very aware i have a lot of friends or people i know who put you know, out that like their lives are incredible and everything's great. And I know that it's not. And you know, yeah, there's, yeah. there's the relationships that you see on there. You see, I mean, I feel like at our age, you can't go on Instagram without seeing an engagement ring, a baby, baby bump, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and I love it and it's beautiful, but how can you not look at that and go, oh, why don't I have that? And why don't I, but you don't know the stories behind a lot yeah. of those people. And I do love, there's so many incredible people who are now being a lot more vulnerable. I feel mm. like the space has changed and it's shifted where people do feel like they can share and be a little more authentic. And I want to lean into that. Mm. And that's my goal now is to figure out how I can do that. And, and share, maintain your privacy. And maintain my, a little bit of privacy and, and keep something sacred. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a learning process. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. I think I need to hang out with more millennials and get them to <laughs> <Yeah>. coach me. <laughs> like, be like, what lingo do yeah, I use? I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> I'm like, I think about a caption for like three days and then I just don't end up posting the photo because I was like, eh. <laughs> Sometimes I just worked. use an emoji. I'm like, Emojis. I've just got one. That's all I've got. I'm really sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't be bothered. Yeah. And then I'm like, see, that would be, that's probably the right thing to do is say I haven't come up with a caption for three days with, for this so yeah right that's the is. caption here's the picture <laughs> the best thing I ever did was start posting the photos I hate the most oh. that make me the most like ill like the bad angle or like a action shot where my chins are like well that sounds terrifying yeah but then once I did it and it was out there I have the best relationship with it now because okay. I'm like well I, like I make I totally take the piss out of myself. I'm like, look at these blue. I call them my bloopers, and there's a whole highlight reel of them, so that I know they've seen the worst. So okay. I That's have smart. There's no pressure. I'm just right. like, oh well. Like now everyone knows I use it just for whatever. Yeah. That now I don't care. Like because there's so so much fear around like creating this perception of, you know. Everything has to be on brand and you I want know. it all to fit and I'm you want it to like represent. Yeah. yeah, which is what I was like. And I realized I spent so much time doing that mm. and it was like consuming too much of my mind versus the things that actually make me really happy. Right. And it was part of this podcast journey as well yeah. that part of my joy is like lowering everyone's expectations. So then I don't feel pressure to meet up to them because I'm like, yeah, I can post really pretty photos and have heaps of makeup on <laughs> and it's take 795 or I can look like a toe. And like... <laughs> You could never look like a toe dog. Oh, trust me. I'll, I'll find the photos. Okay. But like, I think whatever lets you feel liberated from the expectations of the platform right. makes you a lot more happy to use it. Because mm. then you're like, oh, like, well, anything's a bonus. Anything that looks mildly good is a bonus now. Yeah. So it's like. Well, I've always been that person and my, my parents would say this since I was a kid. I can have, you know, be in a room full of people and everyone can love me and I'll focus on the one person that, that doesn't, doesn't have something nice to say. Yeah. I've always struggled with that. And being yeah. in the public eye or having a, a profile is not the place to be for someone who cares about what people think. And I think I've got a pretty thick skin and I I block it out as much as I can. But that's where it can get really hard Mm. when you do sometimes have that moment where there's a picture that's not super flattering or something and you get a DM that's just so (laughs) mean or the comments and I'm I'm the first person to delete, block, delete, block. I'm like, I don't need this in my life. But then you'll think about it for like three days and rock back and forward. (laughs) 100%. And it sucks. But I mean, that's part of it, right? And you just surround yourself with people who, can yeah. be, you know, remind you and that I mean, they're just I know stupid. that those things. Yeah, are yeah. Cheap, but the, you know what I, you know what I actually spoke to a, a, an actress about this recently because she's someone who, a lot of, she deals with that a lot. And I, I told her what had happened recently, and I'd read this comment. It really upset me. And she was like, you know what? The only times that anything bothers me is when there's an element of truth to it. Yes. And I went, yep. 
that was me. There was an element of truth. And I, that's and it really I, hit me yeah, hard. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. you say something ridiculous, I'm not going to care. But if there is that little element of truth, you're like, oh, okay. I think that's any criticism. As soon right. as it's true, you're like so defensive. Yeah. If it's a bullshit, you're just like, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know that's not true. I just want to be Chrissy Teigen. I just wish I could go back on people and just shut them down so well and, you know, <laughs> yeah. get into these like debates with people. But I'm just like, oh, delete block. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great strategy. You don't waste any time on it. That's, so good. That's true. I know. Could all be a bit more like Chrissy Teigen, though. <laughs> yeah. So the last segment is called Play TA, which is where we strip back everything that's work, everything that's learning, everything that's you know productive, and go back to the inner child and the things that you. I, I kind of the way that I define these activities are the things that make you forget what time it is. Mm. What are the things that you do for yourself, other than obviously swimming in the ocean, is one mm-hmm. that are just to make you happy. Um, swimming in the ocean, uh, running down to the beach and putting my feet in the sand. Mm-hmm. Earthing is the most important regenerative. Like it, it's so healing. So, oh, sorry, that was my kombucha. We're going like <laughs> full woo woo. <laughs> Don't worry, I haven't got the crystals out yet. Um, I've got some in my bag. Okay, good. <laughs> Me too. Um, I would say yes. The ocean is the number one. Number two is time with girlfriends. I have such an incredible tribe of women and. When I say like the things that I've been through over here, not having family, they have been my, my friends have become my family and my sisters and those connections, they run so deep. So yeah, time with my girlfriends, wine with my girlfriends and dancing. Dancing has still always been, you know, the touchstone for me of just feeling my most self and feeling free. Whenever I go to dance class, I am instantly reverted back to being a kid Mm. and I just I love to play and dance and even if I can't make it to class I'll put on music at home and just dance around like a crazy person I love and if anyone could see me they would be rolling their (laughs) eyes because I don't try to be good I don't care but yeah those are the things that and baths I have a (gasps) really crazy obsession with baths same I can't live anywhere that doesn't have a bath me too and like if I stay in a hotel and there's no bath I'm like what the me what is this too. bullshit? Me too. Like, <laughs> I look at the baths when I'm going to travel for work or anything. Oh. I make them send me the hotel and I look at the bathrooms first to check it to check the out the bathtub. And if it's a great, I mean, I sound like <laughs> such a diva right now. I've Not never told all. them like, to, to change the plans because there hasn't been a tub, but I've definitely leaned them towards another place <laughs> that has a tub or a better tub because that's my time. And it's so funny. I have so many girlfriends with kids and I'll be like, I've got to go. I've got to run home to get in the bath. And they're like, oh, and their eyes roll. And they're like, oh, it must be nice. And I'm I'm like, well, yeah, I don't have kids yet. So I'm going to take this time to soak in the tub for 20 minutes, yes. light all my candles, read my book, watch an episode of a show. Make the most of it while you can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe I won't get to bar- have a bath for the next 20 years, but I'm going to enjoy it now in silence. Oh, my gosh. I love baths so much. And I have so many books that are like crinkly pages. <laughs> I've dropped them, them in the water. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, me too. Oh, well. It's just all part of it. It's so good. And magnesium bath. Oh, oh and it helps me sleep so much. Even yeah. if I get in for 10 minutes, I don't care. It just has to happen. Yeah. Sometimes I come home, especially in winter, and I'm like, I will not be able to function unless I have a bath right now. And yeah. Nick's like, it's the middle of the day. And I'm like, no, but <laughs> oh, it's just this. Just... I haven't done a midday bath. That's oh, aggressive. Oh, really? <laughs> so aggressive. There's something about it when you're really, really cold. I mean, you probably don't get cold here no, anymore. No, don't but get cold. Back home, when it gets really, really cold and you just can't think and you can't feel anything, nothing is like a bath to yeah. just, even if it is 10 minutes, I'm like, it's a massive waste of water. But, you know, it resets me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I can't jump in the ocean then. So I'll yes. jump in the bath. It's the same thing. There you go. The water is so healing. <laughs> so amazing and I love that you dance as well because that's one of the things that I was a dancer when I was younger as well and I haven't gone back to classes in a really long time but Mm. that is one of the few activities that has no productive outcome (laughs) it's an art like there's but we're not doing it because it's our career no No one's watching it it's not a performance we're not earning money there is actually no purpose except joy it just feels so good yeah and I love that you make time for it I try I miss it I, I don't get to go as much as I'd like and every time I do go, I'm always tired and the classes are late and it's such a 
effort to get there. And then halfway through, I'm dripping with sweat and I have the biggest smile on my face. I'm like, ah, I've got this to do this every week. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> and I've recruited some good girlfriends and stuff that love to come to class. Oh, so who do you go? I feel like you took Delta once. Delta and I go to dance as much oh. as we can. We went recently, actually. Um, I love, she loves to dance as much as I love to dance. And talking about like home dance parties, we'll do those together too. And That's it's so much fun. Best. But having girlfriends like that, that literally feel like sisters that you can just be silly with, that have incredible careers and yeah. their own lives going on but at the end of the day just know how to have fun and it's the silly isn't it silly. Well, you hysterical giggles i actually read that you were a backup singer mm-hmm. for delta in yeah. like 2008 well backup singers a stretch i did some oohs and ahs oh mm, that's about as much as i did but she's very sweet she's always like oh she was so good i don't think you could i don't even think my microphone was on <laughs> to be honest i think that's i was amazing. my amazing <laughs> i was like that is the coolest fact ever because now you guys are so close you must look met. back and be like oh my god it's crazy and that was gosh because to be 15 years ago or something 16 Whoa. years ago or something but yeah then and how do you meet Ashy? ash hart and i do not know how we met Whoa. and that's really frustrating i both of us have been asked that so many times and everyone just goes oh did you know each other from australia we'd never met in australia oh it was here it was here you just don't know where we don't know when we don't know where who introduced us because honestly we became so close so quickly yeah it's all about she's she has been my rock she i had to have surgery at one point and she was there she was my nurse she was incredible she's a real nurturer she is a born nurturer but she's just the energy you want around like all the time but (laughs) especially when things are hard or you've got to go through something she's light she's just pure light and she's she's a healer she's like a real healer that that woman she's she's special but that's I mean I'm so lucky I've got my Aussie girls yeah I've got to figure out how we met though, or we've got to come up with a good story. Because yeah, just make so, something. Up. It's so weird that we neither of us. It's like we blacked out and we don't know how it happened. But I'm sure it was just osmosis through other Aussie friends, and yeah. we were all at some Australia Day thing or something. <laughs> it's probably because you're so close, you can't ever imagine not yeah. being close. I know. I don't remember what it was like before we to met. be like, hey, yeah. <laughs> that's really cute though. Yeah. But my first five years or so of being here it was mainly just Aussie girlfriends. It mm. took me a while, not five, first two or three years, and now I've got an incredible group of American, Australian. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it would be easy to just hang out with Aussies and then you'd be like, hey, I need to break out of my circle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's just nice when you first go somewhere to have that familiarity and they get what you're going through and they understand you and everything. And it takes a minute to just find anywhere. It takes a minute to find your crew and your people. Yeah. But yeah, LA is full of incredible humans, very inspiring, yeah. exciting people everywhere. Like yourself. Oh, <laughs> thanks. So second last question, what are the three interesting things about you that people don't like? Don't usually come up in conversation or that you, know, you don't usually get interviewed about? Like pet peeves or allergies or like weird party tricks or like middle names. Pet peeves. Um, My pet peeves are easy. I don't like when people are rude to waiters. Oh, yes. That is so annoying. Or anyone who is of service. Yes. Um, Especially if you're going on a date. That is like the number one thing I pay attention to is how people speak to the servers, the waiters, anyone around them. Such a good one. Yeah. And I notice it also with stars and celebrities. I listen and I observe how they speak to their team, their Mm. hair and makeup or... You know, again, how a waiter, how they speak to somebody who's serving them. Yeah. I think that's a real indication of their character and who they really are. Absolutely. Um, That's such a good one. (laughs) If you can't speak to someone who's underneath you, not that anyone's underneath anyone, but, you know, if you can't speak to someone who's working for you, Mm. then it's just such a sign of character. Yeah. Um, So that would be that. Uh, what's something that people don't know? Well, when I was little, it's not that exciting, but I bit my tongue in half and it split and it was like a snake tongue. And oh my gosh. I've got stitches like, yeah, scar. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they stitched it up and then I tore the stitches out and they stitched it up again and I tore the stitches out. And so I had like a snake tongue for a little <gasps> bit and then they taped it up and then it just ended up healing. By itself. I was like, I could have been in the circus. Oh, I had a snake tongue. Without stitches. Yeah, I guess so. Cause it was, oh I was a baby. Gosh. I was like, three. oh yeah. Okay. I was like three. Out. Um, that's kind of cool. That's exciting. That's <laughs> yeah. weird. I don't know. Fun fact. Weird that no one asked me about that before. <laughs> <laughs> like, how did how did people not I know. notice on television? <gasps> Was that a former snake tongue? <laughs> <laughs> right. No one's really that observant. Oh, what's rude? Else? Oh, I spoke three languages, almost four, until I was about four or five years old. Oh my god! But it's funny to say that because I was like, I was fluent in French and Bishlama, but. 
I mean, no three-year-old is fluent in any language, so it wasn't really yeah. fluent. It was like what a three-year-old would fluent say. Fluent to the extent of what you could say. But yeah, I understood and spoke as much as I could of of those three and English, that those three languages so when I lived cool. in Vanuatu. So and you don't remember any? Nothing. I remember a few words here and there of, wow. of, of French and a few words of Islama and a little bit of Pidgin English, but like, no. Like if you saw it on TV, would you recognize some words? Yes, or? I can understand. My mom still speaks French. And so whenever she speaks it or when I've been in Paris and I hear people, I know what they're talking about. Okay. I can pick up pieces. So that is true that it never really completely leaves your brain. But I mean, I feel like the most ignorant human in the world that I haven't picked it back up and that I don't. Every <laughs> you year. You're pretty young, babe. I know, fair enough. <laughs> every year I'm like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak French again. And then I get halfway through a, a CD or something and I'm like, oh, I'm never going to. I have to go live somewhere where they're speaking. Yeah. This is so hard. <laughs> you do. You have to go live there. It's terrible. It's um, too hard otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I guess those would be the. Oh, they were good. Oh, I like them. Oh, the weirdest stuff always comes out in that question. I'm like, this That's is really a interesting. Good question. Yeah. Especially people who get interviewed all the time. I'm like, it has to be something that people don't ask you about. Yeah. That's kind of good. Yeah. <laughs> and the last question, because I love quotes so much, what's your favorite quote? Oh. I feel like you would have a lot of these. I have a lot. I have a lot. Um, I do love the, I think it's Maya Angelou, and I'm going to misquote it. People will, <gasps> will forget. That's my favorite oh, quote really? in the world. Yeah, what is it? But I'm going to get it wrong. People it's, will forget how you. They'll never remember ne- what you said or what you did. They'll always remember how you made them feel, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, I love that that's your favorite. I know, and I totally butchered it and forgot it. No. Um, <laughs> it's only because I say it every single day to someone. Because I yeah. just, I think in, in business, in your personal brand, people don't, they don't remember the content. We mm. agonize over like getting the, the written word right or the spoken word right. And it's like all they care about is the feeling you left them with mm-hmm. that's the only thing they'll remember mm-hmm. and if you pick a feeling and oh my yeah, god that's a, like a really aggressive know, motorbike traffic. there you go <laughs> Venice I can't believe that's the first time that happened yeah. the whole hour know, true, right? <laughs> yeah I'm always like they will remember if you choose a feeling to be your legacy mm. like that's the best thing that you can leave someone with yeah. and that's what yay is is that feeling I want people to leave and be like yay yeah <laughs> I always think if you can leave a room better than you found it yes then you're doing something right. I have a girlfriend who I always say that about. She's pure sunshine and she just walks in. And even if people are having crappy days, she leaves and they're all smiling and enjoying their day again. And I'm always just so inspired by that. And I just think like, you never know what somebody else is going through. And if you you need more people like that. Yeah. I think the world needs more people like that. So that is definitely one that I love. And I also love that quote, take a lover who looks at you like your magic. I'm a hopeless romantic. I was about to say, you are such a romantic. Oh, I'm a hopeless. Actually, I don't say hopeless romantic anymore. I say hopeful romantic. Oh, that's even better. Oh, my gosh. I'm like every single eligible man who speaks really nicely to waiters who is listening to this <laughs> podcast that is the hit me one. up and I'll pass you on <laughs> that is the number one rule yeah oh well thank you so much this has been thank absolutely you, delightful what an amazing Sunday afternoon oh thank you for coming to visit me all the way in Venice because I know how long it took you to get here oh here. it's so nice otherwise I wouldn't have made it to Venice this trip and it's just like I can fit the air is different here I know it's beautiful thanks so honey beautiful. good to see you congratulations oh thank this you is so cool I can't wait to hear it Isn't she just a sweetheart? Every time I see Renee, I'm so inspired by how grounded she is despite her incredible success in Hollywood. As always, I'd love to show her how much yay she's brought to you all, especially while she's back in Australia this week for the Melbourne Cup. So please screenshot and share tagging at Renee Barr, B-A-R-G-H, and myself or the Seize the A page. In more wedding-related news, as I mentioned, we're on our mini-moon this week, which was kicked off the best way possible thanks to the incredible team at Moon & Batco. We had the best suppliers who made our wedding so perfect, and I'm going to do a full blog post on them all soon, but for now, I just want to give Taylor from Moon & Batco a big shout-out for getting our wedding video back to us so fast and blowing us away with how beautifully he captured each part of our day. We've already watched it back so many times, and they also gave us highlight versions for social media and all the raw footage too to keep. It's going to be an emotional week up here going back through it all, and we'll pop the full video up this week too for you to see. It is a masterpiece. Cannot recommend these guys more highly if you're in the market for someone to capture your special day. So head to at moon and back code to find out more. Hope you're having an amazing day and a seizing your yay.